Hey. There we go. Hey, uh, I just wanted to, I really do still go to church here, uh, and it's, uh, it's good to be back. It had an amazing anniversary with Lisa, and uh, thank you for letting us uh, do that. But today, we're wrapping up this conversation uh, in Experiencing God, and just want to say this, if you're doing the workbook, a lot of the people in the workbook, you're still going on if you're in a small group and you're doing that, but this is the end of the conversation you know, on Sunday mornings. If you happen to be in one of the groups that's been tracking with us, uh, this is Unit 9 uh, that we're talking about today. Now, here's the deal. I, I'm a little concerned as we kind of uh, bring this conversation down that, that we would get to a point where we go, okay, so I've done it. I, I, I bought my workbook, and, and I, I filled in every single blank. Uh, you know, I, I think I caught the principles, you know, this whole idea that God is always looking for a loving relationship with us, and uh, that I'm to look and see where God is working, and then I'm supposed to join Him in that, and uh, I'll always come to a crisis of belief when I decide to obey God, and you know, I, I think I've got it. And, and so then you and I would say, okay, so, so, so now that we're done, okay, Abracadabra? I mean, you know, okay, so God, I mean, just, you know, glow. I mean, show up. Do something amazing for me. And, huh. And here's what uh, you and I need to say together as we're, right? I, you and I have the opportunity to experience God like we've never experienced before. But if you and I are going to do that, if that's going to happen, if this, is, this is not about how you and I feel next. It's about what you and I do next. I almost, this is not about how I feel next. This is about what I do next. And here's what we're going to discover today as we I just spend some time closing out and talking about this, is, is simply this. You and I will never truly experience God until you and I begin to do what we already know He's asked us to do, because experiencing God is always the caboose. It's always what happens in my life after I take the risk, after I choose to obey. Then, in the midst of my obedience, in the midst of my acting on what God has invited me to do, then in that moment, God does what only God can do. God shows up in ways that only God can show up, and that's when I experience God, when I'm actively doing what God has already called me to do. And if you and I wait, if you and I say, look, here's the deal, I, it, I, I'm going to wait till I experience God, and, and that I feel really good about my relationship with God, and that I just have this sense of His power in my life, and that I cannot possibly fail. When I feel that way, then I will begin to obey. Then I'll begin to do what He's asked me to do. The moment won't come. You, you and I will miss this, and we will not experience God in new ways in our lives. Matter of fact, if you have your Bibles this morning, if you'd grab them with me, we'll go. We'll just look at a passage where Jesus, I think, is trying to explain this very thing to his disciples. This whole idea of hey, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave, and uh, I'm only going to be on this earth for a little bit longer, and if you're going to experience me, if you're going to walk with me, if you're going to see me in new ways, then this is what it's going to require. This is what it's going to take to have this incredible love relationship with me. Uh, you're going to decide 
to obey me even though you can't see me. So here it is. It's John chapter uh, 14. It's Jesus explaining, I think, this very principle to his disciples. John chapter 14, um, starting in verse 15. And here's, here's what Jesus says. If you love me, you will, what's the next word? Obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So here, get the moment. Jesus is saying, look, I'm only going to be on earth a little bit longer. It, our relationship is about ready to change. You used to be able to touch me. If you had a question, you could come and sit down and say, hey, I was just wondering. This is going to get different now, but here's the deal. I'm not going to leave you alone. There's, there's coming a new day, and that is that every time somebody asks me in their heart, every time someone becomes a follower of me, I'm going to give to them my Holy Spirit. And I'm going to place the Holy Spirit in their lives. And now, as they begin to relate to me, they've got to do that through the Holy Spirit. This is how you're going to experience me in the future. Okay? I will send to you another counselor to be with you forever. Verse 17, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live and you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and, next word, obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. They will experience me in ways they never... This is when you will experience me. Verse 22, then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said... Now, here's what you need to know. The, the name Judas at this time is common. It's like John or Bob would be today. So this is not Judas Iscariot. It's one of his other disciples. We believe it's probably uh, Thaddeus. Uh, here's what he says. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world. He says, look, Jesus, look, here's it. we're just now figuring out who you are. We're just now getting it. We're just now experiencing you as the Son of God. This is, this is all new. And then if you leave, how is everybody else going to get this experience? How are they going to know you and experience you the way that we've experienced you if you're taken off? Here's Jesus' answer. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching." And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Isn't that interesting phrase? And make our home. Hey, you want to get to know somebody really well? Live with them for a while. You're going to know more than you want to know. And think about this. God says, look, if, if, if you begin in this love relationship with me, and if you begin to obey what I'm going to ask you to obey, I'm going to take you places where only I can show up, and only if I am there and you experience me will this turn out right. We're going to live together is what this is going to be like. It, it, it's, it's a pretty amazing thing. Now, here's, get, get this moment. Remember back in verse 17, he says, look, I'm going to send you my spirit. 
this, this begins this relationship, this thing that you and I have going with God that is absolutely remarkable, which is simply this. Every one of us who has named Jesus as Lord, every one of us that has accepted Him as the Savior of our lives, Jesus says, look, in that moment, my spirit will come and live in you forever and abide with you. And, and it's my spirit is how you're going to experience God. My spirit is what's going to move in your life, and that's how you're going to experience me uh, in your life. So here's the question. How do you know? How, how do you… How do you know when the Spirit is talking to you? How do you know when the Spirit is dealing with you? How how do you know that that's really the Spirit of God speaking to you and not just bad pizza from last night or or guilt that you have from what your mother said when you were a kid or or maybe just bad advice from a friend that's kind of ringing around in your head? Because let's just be honest. You and I hear a hundred voices all the time, whether it's when we turn on the TV or turn on the radio. I mean, we've got a hundred voices speaking. How do you know if it's the Spirit of God or not? You ready for a deeply theological answer? Took me years and years and years of seminary to get this one. How do you know? It's practice. It's practice. It's simply saying, boy, I think maybe God is saying this. I think, I think maybe God is doing this in my life, and I'm, I'm just going to go with it. I'm going to try it and see if that really is the voice of God in my life. Now, here's the deal. Most of us say, Lynn, this, why doesn't God just say this? I mean, why doesn't God just like, you know, kind of Charleston and Heston? I am God. You know, that would be so much easier if God would simply do that. Can I just say to you? God doesn't speak audibly that way today. He, he just doesn't. If He does, it's an incredibly, incredibly rare, rare moment. I know some of you are going, well, wait a minute, Len. I mean, in the Bible, you hear about God speaking audibly to people. No, you're right. That's why it's in the Bible, because it didn't happen that often. Even then, it was an incredibly, incredibly rare moment. So you say, well, then, Len, help me out, because I know Christians who will say, hey, God told me. I, God spoke, and, and they seemed so confident in it. What was that? They, through practice, have been able to hear the difference between all the other things going on in their heart and when the Spirit is speaking to them. It's kind of the same way when you pick up a phone and you go, oh, that's my wife. Oh, that's, that's my husband. Because you recognize the voice, and that's what they come to do. But it's practice. Let's see if this helps. Remember this instrument of terror? (laughs) No, 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 no. You're laughing, but remember when you were five? And remember when mom and dad took the training wheels off? And all of a sudden you're going, "Ah!" I mean, think about this. Think about this. Every rule in your whole life just went out the drain because here, here was this moment in which what your mom and dad had said all the way up until then, don't you ever, don't you ever, don't you ever, don't you ever, don't you ever play in the street. We're going to go play in the street. And, and, and the wheels are up, and, I mean, and asphalt, asphalt. I mean, what is that? Asphalt's like giant sandpaper. I mean, if you fall on that, wow. And then, okay, guys, if this isn't crazy enough, the plan is, here's the plan. The plan is for dad to let go. Terrifying. But, but here's the deal, and here's what your mom and dad knew, and it's simply this. They could have talked to you about what it feels like to ride a bike. 
it would have never been enough. I mean, they could, have, they could have given you all sorts of bike lessons, like, hey, you know what, you don't want to turn the steering wheel too much. It's, it's, it's more subtle than that. And, and actually, you kind of want to pedal like at medium speed. I, I know, I know, I know that everything in you is going to say, let's do this slow, but it's actually harder to ride a bike slow than it is at medium, which is an interesting because I, I think it's harder to serve God at slow. And, and, and they could try to describe to you what it feels like to balance. But no one can tell you that till you've experienced it, right? And the only way that this was ever going to make sense, you ready? Practice. You had to get on and pedal the bike and steer. It's what it is hearing the voice of God. That, that as you and I sit through moments in our life and, and, and we feel that nudge and we we, we feel that prodding in our heart, and we have to begin to discern and to say, is that me? Is that, is that something in my, or is that God dealing with me? And I, I can give you a little bit of a clue. <laughs> it's moments in my life where I'm being asked to do something I don't want to do, but Jesus probably would. It's, it's, it's moments when I'm sitting there and, and, and I need to forgive, and I don't want to forgive. I mean, let's be honest. I'm, I'm having more fun having a grudge. And yet, something's poking my heart, and something's, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that's probably God dealing with me. But here's the thing, I'll never know until I obey and experience it for myself. And then when it turns out to be, then I'll begin to recognize the voice. What did Jesus say? My sheep know my voice. It's experience. Hmm. It's that moment I, I feel, you know, maybe, maybe I should serve. I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, I, man, but I don't have any time. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, this doesn't make any sense in my life, and yet I leave the building, and I'm driving home, and something's, and I have to ask, I have to go, is that the Spirit of God nudging me? But here's the thing, I will never know till I ride the bike, till I respond and go, I, I think maybe that was God calling me to serve, and when I go there, and then I experience that, and then suddenly I go, wow, that was, that was the voice of God, and the difference between Christians who hear clearly what God is saying in them is that they've gotten on the bike. They've practiced obeying and listening to God when he calls. Let me ask you a question. It's just, if you and I were just going to be just crazy, crazy transparent this morning, how many of us would have to say, you know, I, if I was, I mean, if I was being, I, I know, I, I know there's some things probably in my life that if you ask Jesus, you know, what I should be doing or what he would want me to work on next, I got a pretty good idea what he would list. You know, some of us, maybe it's daily devotion. See, some of us maybe go, no, if you ask Jesus, he'd probably say, hey, I need to be better at that. It's pretty hit and miss in my life. And yeah, but I mean, you know, Lynn, that's a little thing, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's a little thing. You can't experience God that way, right? Not in little things. Some of us in here would say, hey, I know uh, some of the stuff I watch on TV, 
you know, I get done and, and the show's over and something in my heart feels kind of weird and uncomfortable. Is there a chance that's God's spirit? And, and if you and I discount it, if you and I blow it off, if you and I don't respond to it, <laughs> we'll never get used to it. We'll never begin to recognize when that voice speaks and who it's from. And guys, the honest truth is, is the only way you do this is by practice. So let me ask you, how many in the room would say, look, Lynn, I mean, you know, I, I, if, if I were saying it today, there's probably something, there's probably, you know, I, I could probably tell you what it is that God would be interested in doing in my life or teaching me or helping me overcome anger, or maybe some friends I got to make some distance. How many say, I, I think I could name one thing in my life. Come on, raise your hand. I think I could name one thing. Come on. I think, come on. Okay, so for all of you that didn't raise your hand and you're feeling like really spiritual right now, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it'll pass, let me tell you. Because <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing I'm just going to say to you, that even if you're sitting in this moment and you go, no, hey, in this moment, man, I'm serving God, I'm 100% on, you get that in this journey, man, there's stuff right now that we're feeling convicted in the Spirit working in our heart about that two years ago didn't even bother us. So just wait till next week, you'll raise your hand, okay? And guys, here, here's what I'm going to say, here's all I'm going to say that until you respond, until you stop discounting, until you stop saying, oh, no, 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 that's, I mean, what I watch on TV and I mean, whether I serve, that's just a little thing. And I mean, that wouldn't have anything to do with experiencing God, would it? And the answer is it has everything to do with experiencing God. Because until you get on the bike, you'll have a hard time hearing the voice. And so I'm just... If you and I were to do that thing, that thing that we already know in our heart, if you and I were to say, God, I look, I'm, I'm done hesitating, we'd be on the bike, wouldn't we? We'd be learning more about hearing and experiencing God on the bike. Here, this is... This is hard on us because we wouldn't do this in this order. If we were God, we would do this the other way around. See, we would say, no, 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 no. God, here's what I'm going to do. I want you to fill me with confidence. I want to experience you in such a powerful, unbelievable way that, that by the time you ask me to do something, then, I mean, it's just unquestioned because it, I, it just, it's so easy because I'm already experiencing you so powerfully, so incredibly in my life that obedience wouldn't even be an issue. That's how I would do it. And yet Jesus comes just the opposite and says, no, you don't understand. You will never experience me until you obey me. Until you let me push your life out there somewhere that if I don't show up and if I don't intercede and if I don't come alongside of you, you can't possibly have success. And in that moment... <laughs> You'll experience me in ways you've never experienced me before. But it's always obedience and then experience. Here's the woman who finds herself married to a man who doesn't know God yet. And in that moment, she has to decide, what do I do? And I mean, she's seen the scripture that says, look, 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 look. Don't nag him. Look in silence. Just live your life so well for Jesus in front of him that by your works, he will be attracted to your Lord. And she says, 
I, I can't, I mean, here's the deal. Look, if I was already experiencing God, I mean, if I already saw God working in his life and I could already see him being convicted, well, then maybe I could back off. But, but if I go silent, how does this work? I've got to nag him into the kingdom. And Jesus would say, as long as you keep doing that, he'll probably never find me and you'll probably never experience me. It's a guy who sits through a sermon on tithing and he goes, come on, I mean, come on. This just doesn't even work. It doesn't add up on paper. There, there's no, I can't do that. I, it, 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 makes, it makes no sense. And I mean, maybe, maybe, because see, I've already prayed about my finances. I said, God, give me more and then I would give you some. But God didn't answer that prayer. So I'm not experiencing God why would I obey God? Jesus says, look, as long as experiencing me is the prerequisite to obeying me, it'll never happen. It's the gal who's dating a marginal Christian guy, and she knows. She knows. She knows she's dragging him to church, and she's having to persuade him, and he comes and pretends to be interested. She knows. And deep down in her heart that the relationship needs to be done and she needs to go find a guy who loves her Lord as much as she loves her Lord. And well, here's what he says. He says, you know, God, if the phone were ringing, <laughs> if I was experiencing you, uh, it's the teenager living with a whole bunch of peer pressure because hanging out with the wrong friends. He knows. I mean, he knows that they're a bad influence. He knows they're heading the wrong direction, and he knows, and just, he knows that he ought to create a distance. He knows that he ought to take a stance, and, and if they decide not to be his friends after that, then, then that's what it is. But he looks around, and he goes, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not seeing any other friends. I mean, God, if And the principle you got to get, the thing that we've got to land together today is you do not experience God until you obey what God has already asked you to do. And then he shows you what only God can do. There's a great, you guys know this story. We tell it to our kids all the time. It's the story of David and Goliath. Here's what I want to add. Here's the thing I think is incredible about it. What does David know in that moment that nobody else in Israel knows. I mean, think about this for a moment. Here are seasoned veterans of war standing there, and when they see Goliath, their answer is, <laughs> this and this doesn't work. It doesn't make sense, and anybody who went down there would be crazy. And yet David, this teenage young man, comes up with a totally different answer and says, it's crazy not to, I mean, wow, this is easy. This, this, this we can do. How does David come? He's either, he's either just absolutely an arrogant teenage young man or he has figured out something in his life that none of the rest of the men standing in that battle line know. And here's what I'm going to suggest, that David has a different answer because he has already experienced God in his life before Goliath. It's a part of the story we don't tell our kids. We kind of skip over the moment. I think it may be the critical moment in the story. So grab your Bibles if you've got them. Go with me for just a second. It's, it's 1 Samuel chapter 17, and David tells you why he has a different answer, and his answer is, I have already experienced God in my life. It's 1 Samuel 
chapter 17. Here's the moment. Uh, David has said, hey, we can do this. I, I, I can go fight the guy. Everybody says, you're crazy. They've given him to King Saul and said, Saul, there's one guy dumb enough to go fight uh, Goliath. And Saul says, this is crazy. I, I've got, I have men of war and you're but a youth. And David's trying to explain to Saul why this makes sense. Here's the passage. It's 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34. Here's what David says. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. Think about this. This is my resume. I'm a sheep keeper. Guys, here's why you got to hear this. David has been doing a little thing. And this has got to sink in for us because here's the deal. You and I think that what we watch on TV is a little thing. You and I think that who we date is a little thing. You and I think that whether or not we serve is a little thing. It's when we obey in the little things and experience God that he sets us up for the great. He says, hey, I, I've been keeping my father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it uh, by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of God. And here you go, verse 37. Here's David's answer. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Here's what David's saying. I've already been here before. There was this moment. I know it doesn't seem as big as the moment we're talking about right now, and it doesn't sound as scary, but here's the deal. When that bear walked up, I was terrified. When that lion started growling, I was out of my mind. And here's what I knew. I knew I couldn't do this by myself, but I knew it was my post. And so I simply did what I was told to do. And in that moment, I defeated the lion. I defeated the bear. But here's how I did it. God was my strength. And this Philistine will be just like the lion. And see, I have already experienced God. This isn't that scary for me. And guys, here's what I hate to get. You and I will never experience God until you and I do what he's already asked us to do. It's the wife with her husband. And she finally goes silent. She finally says, look, I, I get it. This isn't working, and I, I'm never going to nag my husband into heaven, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to live my life as best I can in front of this man and see what God does. And suddenly in her silence, God gains a voice and he asks Jesus in his heart and he's changed. And guess what that woman experiences? God is my rescue. And she would have never known it had she not obeyed. It's the guy who ties. It's the guy who says this doesn't add up on paper. It doesn't make sense. God hasn't answered my prayers yet. Okay. Okay. I'll do it. And suddenly he's tithing, and his bills are getting paid, and he can't figure, he gets to the end of the money, he goes, I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Guess what he does know? God is my provider and not intel. 
the young lady who says, I, I, know, I know I shouldn't be dating him. I, I'm going to have to make a decision here. And she breaks off the relationship. And guys, I don't, I don't know what happens next. I don't know if she gets a bunch of phone calls on the phone. I don't know if she's lonely the next I don't know. Here's what I do know. She'll discover that God is her real lover. She won't know that until she obeys. It's the kid facing peer pressure, and he, he knows he's got to take a stand, and one day he musters the courage, and he just says, look, guys, I cannot go there. I will not do that with you guys, and he does. He, he loses his friends. They all turn their backs on him. And perhaps, perhaps in the loneliness of sitting in his room in the afternoon and not having anyone to hang out with, here's what he figures out. I've got one true friend, and my God is my friend. And you and I experience God only when we obey what he has already asked us to do. I'm, I'm youth pastoring, and uh, a little gal in the youth group, her name was Erin Hare, came up to me one day and she said, Lynn, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm a junior in high school, and, I, and I have, I've never had a date in my life. And I, I just don't know. I mean, do I need to start dressing more provocatively? Do, do I need to, like, begin to have conversation with boys that maybe are a little bit more, you know, sensual in nature so they stop thinking of me like a sister and start thinking to me like, you know. I said, Aaron, please don't. Please don't. You know that's not what your Lord would want you to do. Don't, don't do that. And I said, Aaron, the reality is, I, I don't know that you're going to date a whole lot. You, you want to know what one of her biggest deficits was? She was absolutely sold out on fire for Jesus. And I just said, Aaron, look, I'm just going to tell you honestly, that's going to intimidate a whole bunch of guys. There's going to be a whole bunch of guys who are going to see you and see your passion for Christ. And they're going to go, I can't even keep up with that girl. I, I think a lot of guys are going to disqualify themselves. And, and, and Aaron, here's what I just want to tell you. I believe there's going to be a moment when the guy when some remarkable, amazing guy walks in the room and recognizes you. And I'm just going to beg you, be faithful, be faithful, do exactly what you know you're supposed to do till that guy walks in the room. Aaron finished high school, and I think in high school she had one mercy date. I think one of the kids in the youth group kind of took her to prom just to be nice. She got to college, and I mean, just one or two. She went out and started on her career, and not much was showing up. And it was interesting because she'd, uh, she'd you know how you send those things out at Christmas time where, you, you know, this is what's going on in my life, and she would send that to me, except on mine, what she would do is she'd, like, paste the picture of, like, this biker on drugs dude and put it next to herself just to freak me out. And I'm like, Wah! she goes, my new boyfriend. I'm like, Wah! you know. Aaron got to about 35, and... Now I'm getting worried. I'm going, God, look, uh, I, I kind of put us on the line here, you know. I, <laughs> I told her, I told her there was a God who provides. and um, No dates. Two Christmases ago, I get, I get the Christmas thing. And on the bottom, Aaron writes, he walked in the room. 
he walked in the room. He found me. A couple days ago, I got this picture uh, in the mail. And I think we got it on the screen. Guess what Aaron knows? Aaron knows that there is a God who hears our prayers. Aaron knows there's a God who provides. She knows that because she was obedient. And she experienced God. See, here's, here's the thing that you and I have got to get. You and I don't experience God before we obey. We experience God when we obey. And so I'm just going to ask you today, what would it take to get on the bike? What would it take to take maybe what you feels like a small place of disobedience and feels like a place that we go, no, I know, I know God's sad and I know I, know I haven't. I mean, what, what would that take? What would that mean for me? Because here's the thing. If you and I began to obey there, it'd get us on the bike. And you and I just might experience God. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we just, we come before you. And we're going to be honest and tell you, we've, we've hesitated. We've, we've been waiting for this incredible feeling to sweep over us. We've been waiting for you to be faithful before we were obedient. We, we've been asking for you to tell us the end before we even began. And yet you said, if you love me, if you love me, you'll obey me. And in obeying me, in doing what seems small or what seems to be silly or outrageous, in that moment, in the moment that only works if God shows up, you'll experience me. And God, I'm just praying that in this room today, that in our services today, that thousands of people would get on the bike and that, and that maybe they would pedal at least medium with you. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen.